to build and prepare, to build and prepare for your coming by your daily visitation, for your coming at Christmas, and for your coming unto the ages of ages. Amen. As a child, the greatest association I had with Christmas was toys, of course. Whatever else Christmas was to me, it was definitely about toys. And this is not terrible. I've learned that a young child's play is a child's work, opening up presents that engage the child's delight, curiosity, creativity, are providing the child tools for their important work, the work of development. I still do such work. I like to play on the floor with grandkids. I did with my kids, my nieces and nephews. Often it's to build things. Sometimes the building materials are blocks. Occasionally, tinker toys. Remember those? I wish I had Lincoln Logs. I loved, I loved Lincoln Logs. Santa? One of the specialized uh, building materials that uh, I use with my grandkids this, these days is something called magnetiles. These are little shapes, translucent, very colorful, with little magnets at the, at the angles of the shapes. And you can get elaborate and build some magnificent and colorful things, reaching up quite high with little separate rooms in the base of it. These creations that I do with my oldest grandson, William, came to be called Silly Towers. And uh, that took over the name of the activity itself. William will say, Pop, do you want to build Silly Towers? And the right answer is, why, yes, I would. Building is one of the ways I like to look at the Christian life. The imagery I like to bring to our involvement with God in Christ and God's interest and involvement with us. We are builders and we are preparing something for Christ. The first reference that comes to us on this is when we read or hear the passage of the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to John, where it's written, Jesus saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My, in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. The King James Version and other versions say, In my Father's house are many mansions. In this passage, Jesus comforts his distressed disciples with the promise that he will go and prepare a place for them and will bring them to himself that where he is, they may be also. There is in his Father's house many rooms 
and there will be room for us. There's always uh, been something of intrigue that has strengthened me in the collect, or one of the short opening prayers for our liturgy for this day in Advent. And it reverses the direction of the imagery and suggests that by Christ's daily visitation, we can prepare within us a mansion made for Christ. So, in this marvelous economy of sanctification and salvation, there are two builders at work. Christ gives us the figure of thought that he is building for us and preparing a place for us to know his presence forever in eternity. And by his daily visitation to us, interaction and engagement with us through the Holy Spirit, we are building a mansion inside. A mansion preparing a place for Christ within us. It is no wonder that the image of a house, a home, a shelter is deep and meaningful to us. We are creatures with our vulnerabilities and we compensate for our soft bellies and our other vulnerabilities with shelter, with imaginations, ingenuity, engineering that can build us a house. At Christmas, we deck those halls, by golly. We adorn them for highlighting the significance and the meaning of the nativity of Jesus, the incarnation of the eternal Word, the fleshing of it, for our salvation. In fact, the imagery throughout the Scriptures today is filled with notions that God comes to our space and time, our structures of existence, to heal and to save us. In the passage from the second book of Samuel, King David starts to feel sheepish that he has built himself a grand house of cedar, and he has built no grand house for the Lord. The Ark of God, that magnificent chest, the symbolic and real presence of God for the people so that they can realize in a physical way the invisible presence of the Lord sits in the tent that it always sits in. That tent is used to carry it about here and there. And when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from his many enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I'm living in the house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. The prophet Nathan, who normally tested and challenged David on the matters of the Lord's will, must himself have been nearly as tipsy as was David with all the success that they'd had. He provides sanction for the project straight away. 
on Sunday, uh, here we hear the Lord's response to this notion. Nathan gets the word from the Lord. I paraphrase here what God wants Nathan the prophet to tell David the king. Oh, so you want to build me a house? Did I ask for a house? All the time I've been moving about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Saving my people from Egypt, getting the tribes to go through a whole string of troubles. I was never heard to ask them to build me a fine cedar house. Nathan is asked by the Lord to remind David the king that God took him from the sheep pasture to be prince and has been with him always through the battles. God wants David to hear this. You don't make me a house. I provide you a house and a royal line with a throne that will always be. God turns it around, informing them they are the ones that need the house. And through them, through the people of God, all the world will be blessed. The purpose of God will take place. God will not be in storage in a shed, no matter how grand the shed. God will move through the people devoted, the people devoted to the just and righteous purpose that God designs. Play along with this little fantasy. Imagine the Holy Spirit sweeping across the whole earth, not in one time frame, but in all of time laid out the way it is before the Lord. God is looking for a place to get in, like God has never been in and present in time and space with the activities of the human family ever before, different than ever before. And what does he find? He finds a young and humble woman in the line of David. One of the ways of looking at the gift of God, the incarnate one, is to note that God's full and physical presence was needed, so badly needed in the heart of humanity. In the fullness of time, something happened. Like Romans says, a secret revealed that was long hidden through the ages, now coming to be revealed that God is the Savior up close and for all nations, even the Gentiles. Not just the line of David, but the Gentiles also. In the fullness of time, God, the eternally begotten Son, found entrance through the courageous and humble permission given by Mary, young maiden of Nazareth. 
God did not need to check every door and window into this big abode, the earth, this large home of all the daughters and sons of Adam and Eve. God sent Gabriel to check with Mary to knock on that door. Through her, the eternal Son, fully God, was born a fully human baby, born a child and yet a king. God the transcendent became God the imminent. God with us, one of us. God the ultimate outsider at last was in. Luke does not provide a lot of descriptions for this meeting, this annunciation of Gabriel, this interfacing of heaven and earth through Gabriel the archangel and Mary. Imagine heaven and earth under one roof. To be sure, painters have interpreted it. Poets have interpreted it grippingly ever since. I find this piece by the German poet Rainer Maria Rilke hauntingly poignant. And so I'm forced, I can only know it through its English uh, translation, and I share it with you. Rilke writes, The angel's entrance, you must realize, was not what made her frightened. No, not to see him enter, but to find the youthful angel's countenance inclined so near to her that when he looked and she looked up at him, their looks so merged in one the world outside grew vacant suddenly. And all things being seen, endured, and done were crowded into them. Just she and he, I and its pasture, visions and its view. Here, at the point, and at this point alone, see. This arouses fear. Such fear. Both knew. So, this blessed season of Advent is a season of waiting. We are waiting in such agonizing need for the Savior. The archetypal image comes from Mary as life unfolds after this meeting with the archangel, the expectant mother waits with great discomfort for the blessed event. In Advent, we wait, expecting the inbreaking of fulfillment. Let me offer this sonnet to get at our Advent feelings and the desperation of humanity's need. These candles, four, will mark the weeks we wait. Please, come to us. We need you, O Most High. In ways we knew to make the highway straight, we've cleared the path. Please, hurry, 
hear our cry. Come, sweet Savior, bring your healing balm. The sting of life has sapped us of our strength. Our anxious souls now yearn to know your calm. We pray you'll come near, joining us at length. Each day we listen, watch for your approach. The nights are long, we rest as best we can. The clouds of fear, our worried hearts encroach. We pray our hopes will match your holy plan. With all we can, we hang on. Seek your face, your eyes, your presence, your tight embrace. Christmas that breaks through this week is one of our great human experiences. It's my conviction that no societal interruptions or circumstances needs to spoil that for us. Especially as we keenly focus our attention on the meaning of Christmas. We are brought around to the implications of God joining in real physical dimensions of our existence. And we're not focused on any other particular ceremony. No change in our ceremonies, no change in our tradition or in our pattern can touch that. You and I, shall we, just keep on building. Keep building. We're doing the building of the receiving within us. The preparation to receive God's visits daily. And on the grand feast of receiving Him, it will be glorious indeed. The Most High is doing the mansion building of God. And if that is glorious, imagine what rapture it will be when He comes to take you to Himself to the place He has prepared for you, when He takes you to Himself, so that where He is there forever, you will also be. Alleluia. Amen.